0: Hey, it's Tobias here. If you want to learn a little bit about my firm or see my portfolio, head on over to acquirersfunds.com.
1: Tobias Carlisle is the founder and principal of Acquirers Funds. For regulatory reasons, he will not discuss any of the Acquirers Funds on this podcast. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of the Acquirers Funds or Affiliates. For more information, visit acquiresfunds.com.
0: That apparently we are streaming Offering. live. Uh. Well, it's uh, 10:30 a.m. on the West Coast, 1:30 p.m. on the East Coast. No idea what it is, UTC. Sorry, sorry, amigos. Ooh. We are back. Back indeed. The trio. I missed you guys over the last two weeks. Yeah, likewise. Missed everybody
1: i uh I also missed you guys i'm I'm happy to be back and in the swing of things it was a long month of raging
0: <laughs> Pot- pottying.
1: yeah i did um but i I don't know uh somebody i think it was Churchill I'm not quite certain who it was but um said that the reason that they were able to work very hard is that they worked eleven months a year and I kind of like that um I like extended breaks I think it was a good uh Get in the right heads, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck do I know. I'm just throwing out random <laughs> stuff that I agree with and attributing it to the wrong just
0: people. Put that on a picture of a sunrise and put it out on the internet. That's go right, viral. Man.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, and the philosophizer.
2: Yeah, that should be on a coffee cup already, even if it's wrong. <laughs> I, well, I especially mean, especially if it's wrong.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then you just like attribute it to somebody famous,
0: right? And then you can sell it. I think that's how it works. He's got that quote about being able to find any quote on the internet. That was one of Churchill's. <laughs> the internet, wow.
1: Yeah, that's way, a good one. I like way that ahead one. of his time. He was a visionary, sir. Much like uh, many growth investors.
2: Ooh, yeah. Already. So what? Uh, what do we have on topics today?
1: I'm gonna defend Charlie and the CCP. So we'll see how that goes.
0: Okay. We've officially
1: Auto- already been mon- demonetized. Automatic.
0: It's- demonetization check this, this might just go dark this whole, whole <laughs> yeah they're just gonna just shut go us down yeah i like it okay i Tell got me. uh i got so value guys after crawling through the desert for the requisite biblical period of time and then a little bit longer uh had this like brief like two minute two day rally <laughs> and then uh back into the desert and so uh just like
1: their sex life
0: <laughs> oh Sorry. So I've got uh, how dare you a cool drink of water just to, just just to confirm the prize to keep everybody going a little little mirage so you can keep on crawling through the desert maybe there's some maybe there's a lagoon up ahead I don't know what do you got JT uh, I'm gonna ease us back into the veggies nothing not too hard uh,
2: hardcore science with uh, actually a little segment on cooking french cooking to be
1: more specific so we'll see if i can torture some analogies out of that you know what i like uh shout out we got a listener in the house that goes by the handle the buff dog much appreciated uh i wish that you were actually the real guy in Town, maybe it yeah, is that's true yeah maybe maybe he took net jets over there can i start by defending charlie yeah let's I go i think that's, yeah, that's that's the best way to start just in case a we get shut down yeah and that's i can right. fr- it'll free up my the rest of my hour <laughs> There you go. So I think fundamentally, uh, Charlie has said stuff about China that makes me uncomfortable as someone that prefers liberal democracies. Uh, and I don't mean liberal, like, you know, our political leaning, right. But like capital L that's right. Um, however, uh, when he was asked about Jack Ma and when he said that China did the right thing, I think what Charlie meant is like within the confines of the system that they play in, the way that they handled it made sense because you like their rule structure is not one that you can expect to speak out about and be okay. But I don't think he's advocating that like every, that's not his preferred rule structure. I just think the way his mind works is like, those are the rules of the game. So of course you implement, like that's how you play the game. Once those are the rules that are established. What did he and say? He basically said, like, locking Jack Ma up was fine. Uh, and then Is he, he said, up? Well, he disappeared for a while. I mean, I don't know what the hell happened. You tell me. I'm yeah, I mean, getting,
0: getting treatment for an addiction.
1: <laughs> yeah. He had a secret coke, coke addiction and he went to rehab for a month. I don't he's, think that's the case.
2: He's getting reprogramming, like uh, Clockwork Orange style. <laughs>
1: Now he did he did go on to say like I wish that our system could do something like that in certain financial matters Re-educate and I do th- people. I mean yeah probably Charlie wouldn't be too 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 undown with that um, but I'm I'm just saying like I think that he is sort of like I do think he's obviously got a, a soft spot for
0: authoritarianism
1: when the ends They're very just effective af- yeah well they
0: get shit done. That's
1: right. The and trains
0: like, in Nazi Germany ran on time.
1: Yeah, well, I think Whoa. what Charlie would argue is that uh, China has lifted so many people out of poverty that in that instance, uh, he's comfortable with the means to get to the end. I'm, I, I, That's not, I'm not going to defend that, but that is what I interpret him to say when he speaks about China. And then given that, you can't speak out about them. If you're, you know, if you're the guy that was allowed to have Alibaba thrive, you can't get to the point where you think that you're above the government and all of a sudden start criticizing them. Like that's just not the rules of the game. What happened? What did it
0: spring from? Wasn't it? I thought that. And um, financial. Yeah. So but, uh, there was, this is, this is, I, I don't know anything at all. This is totally peripheral. Something that I, that I read a long time ago. I thought there was so some getting deplatformed. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But I, I thought there was some issue that, <laughs> And financial was sort of spun out of Alibaba, and there were some insiders who sort of collected a big shareholding in it on the way out. And then when they went to list it, the regulator said too much. So that's one version. The other version is that the internal, um, you know, the 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 financials weren't sufficiently um, tight, or they weren't, you know, they weren't tracking it well enough.
1: Mm, i think jack ma said i know how to do this better than the government and then he disappeared for a while because he he went on a vacation for a minute after he spoke out so what that vacation looks like i don't know that's kind of where you have to like that's but that's kind of what becky quick asked right she was like do you think they handled jack ma correctly and charlie basically said yes
0: there's this too that like if if it was there was some sort of the the Wait, hang fun- on can
1: we agree that that's what happened like jake is that your understanding of what happened the conversation or what happened to jack ma between becky quick and charlie uh
2: you know i had i i've watched it a few times and i i still not quite exactly sure what he was what charlie was saying that he was okay with or not okay with but i think in general we can probably safely zoom out a little bit and say that uh he, well, let me back up a little bit. I think he, so if you've been studying human folly your whole life and you recognize errors pretty quickly, and maybe you're even a little biased towards like error recognition, I think that can set you up to be more open to a, a nudge style approach to how governments and humans uh, and interact. And, you know, I look at his praise of Lee Kuan Yew uh, in Singapore, and you know, like that was a there's a fair amount of nudging that happens there um, in how they run things, and it it's probably for the better uh, in a lot of cases in how people behave and um, the you know saving for their retirements you know automatically and there's just a lot of things that they do there that are um, don't fit with our kind of Western individual um, you know don't tell me what to do ever. Kind of mentality um, but you could see Charlie I think maybe recognizes where that can produce errors like it does and that maybe he's okay with more nudging than than other people might be so preface all, all that is the prepackage of I think that he's okay with the, the Chinese government being a little more heavy-handed than other governments because of the system that they're running and that trying to maybe do what they think is best for the majority of the people I mean that's I don't know. These are really like complicated and difficult questions to untangle. So I'm a Becky quick
1: fan, but I think, I, I think she's did, terrific. Like I she think, handles
2: them better than anybody.
1: Yeah. But he deserved to follow up there and like a really like, like precise one because mm-hmm. I think she kind of walked him into a trap and then didn't open the door for him to speak his way out of it. You say that as someone who got smoked by Charlie at the Daily
2: Journal meeting that didn't let him off the hook easily. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i had already sat down with you sir and I know. <laughs> uh sitting in board shorts was not exactly the best way to push back on charlie but yes uh i, I know how a question to charlie can turn around on you and yeah, i, I gotta, wish that i had
0: followed i got up. a comment here which is kind of interesting like michael burry is open on on twitter and uh he gets a visit from the sec and then he sort of disappears from twitter for a little while what, what's the difference Uh, that's Twitter. Well, we don't know. We don't really know what happened to Jack Murray. He might've just been at home, like not tweeting for a little bit. Yeah, it's possible.
1: Maybe he just went to the Turks and Caicos. I'm I'm sure it was a nice vacation. (laughs) (laughs) He could afford it. Yeah. There may not be a difference. I don't know. But I think that one of the things that could have been structured a little bit better about that discussion is maybe they could have framed in what happened to Jack Ma, right? How how did China deal with Jack Ma and had a follow-up to the question? Because I do kind of think Charlie was led to a place, gave an answer, and probably deserved a follow-up or two.
0: What what about what, more broadly, like just investing in China? He, Munger sort of, he found uh, Li Lu however long ago, 10 or 20 years ago, gave him a billion dollars. Li Lu, as a result is now a billionaire but he's also <laughs> he's not just a billionaire and that's it that's not the end of the story he's turned uh he's turned the billion that Munger gave him into whatever it is six or seven or more and uh so munger has got some interest in seeing you know probably he's either he's either uh he thinks that it's the next little period of time decade or so is china's so he's set up the manga family for for a period of time by getting a great deal of exposure to, to China. What do you think about that as a strategy?
1: Is it really a great deal of exposure?
0: I mean, it's like one position in Daily Journal
1: and the majority of his net worths in Costco and Berkshire. So I think it's important to contextualize that. Like how much, to me, I always think about like, what's the real bet here? How does it really impact him? And what does it really matter? And like, if Daily Journal is eviscerated from the earth, I'm sure Munger would like rather that not happen, but that's not the entity that's going to, the Mungers are not dependent upon the daily journal. And I think that like, if you're Charlie one, I think Alibaba could make some sense to you to is his advisor. So like that's way smarter than me on this particular topic. And almost all other than maybe life happiness. I might, but I don't know. Lu. He's probably a happy guy. What's up, Lee. Thanks for listening. Um, And then, uh, I just kind of think like if you're Charlie, the teacher, it's an it's an important signal to send that your last bet is on something like Alibaba. Um, you know, last bet? Come on, we got he's got lots of
2: time. Don't,
1: dude. He's don't a man that 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 thinks, He's a man that thinks in statistics. Uh, it's not like that far out to say he doesn't have more than four or five more years left.
0: I mean that's been the case for a little while now, right? That, that hasn't yeah. stopped him from I hope investing he continues where they was the outlier. He's not he's not gonna day trade now because he's gotta close out those positions. Right. Yeah. Gotta, well, gotta close out before the close every day. I just I think, it's, that.
1: I think it's a reasonable conclusion that maybe this is one of his last
0: larger bets. Maybe not. I hope not. What about for the rest of us? China as a uh, as an investment destination.
1: I don't mind it as part of the portfolio. I I'm I'm not gonna like go throw thirty percent of my net worth in it. Like I I would uh I don't know three five percent. Like it seems like a reasonable way to get some exposure to. But I don't um I don't have like a strong opinion either way. I don't I don't think China can just like fuck over outside investors and end up in the place that China wants to be over the long term. It seems like you're cutting off your nose to spite
0: your face. There have been some incredible returns out of China. There are these companies that pop up in a very short period of time that stupendously huge. Yeah, i, I dude. I don't I like. I don't know.
1: I don't know how to underwrite it. I don't know that I trust the accounting. I don't know any of that shit. But if it's three percent, it goes to zero. That's not going to kill me. And if you actually can own a compounder that can compound for years and years and years, I don't think it's like a patently stupid move. I just
0: kind of depends on what you're what you're comfortable with we've all got home country bias where we just allocate way too much to our own country and um you know we're in a position where i I like that that slide that buffett put up at the at the berkshire meeting where he said you know 30 years ago it was japan was dominant and there are a handful of american companies in there now america's dominant there's a handful of chinese companies in there i don't know whether this was his implication or whether this is like This is a possibility, but there's got to be a reasonably good chance that the next thirty years there's it's full of Chinese companies and there are a handful of American companies in there.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I I think India too, right? Like, I, I, I don't know anything about India. There's people have told me like, you know, there's a lot of corruption over there, right? Okay, well, I I don't know how to invest there, but if people want to invest there, I'm sure a there are people that know how to. Shout out to the homie Ramnik. And then, uh, and then two, like I don't know, if you want to put something in it, I get it.
2: <clears throat> I will say that I've I've heard, and I don't know exactly how to verify this, but in China specifically, um, that like seventy to eighty percent of the equity holdings are held by mom and pop, like retail type of investors. So perhaps in the game of you know with this that we're playing in the U S where there's an incredible amount of skill that has surfaced and been attracted to this, where, you know, you get this paradox of skill where returns kind of start to get closer together because everyone is, is so good. Um, if you could find a, to use the fishing analogy that Munger's used in the past on this exact topic, um, go where the fish are, but also where the fishermen might not be particularly adept your other competitive fishermen. So, you know, I think there's some interesting arguments to be made about, about China as a place to explore. I think Charlie
1: should buy weed stocks. (laughs) (laughs) Also the person that said three to 5% stupid, that's fine. You can have different risk parameters than I do. You're stupid. Next.
0: (laughs) There's, um, there's been an increase in the retail participation in the States over the last two years or so, Uh, probably, you know, by virtue of Robin Hood. So they got their S1 out. I know Bill's taking a look at the S1. You got any, You, I, I think I said I wouldn't talk about this. Sorry, but it no, just came okay. to mind. Yeah.
1: I'm, I'm sure it just popped into your head. Uh, <laughs> bear trap. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's see. So they settled with my family, which is uh preface one. And uh, within the context of a horrible, horrible situation, I think that they, uh made it less horrible by doing so so i'm going to be somewhat reserved in what i say uh on the other hand i think if you look through that company is how many people participate in options in crypto on that platform versus the other platforms and the growth in those people's participation over the last year uh it one i remain unconvinced that anything that i've said is incorrect about the platform, especially when they cite monetizable daily active users. Like, get the fuck out of here in a financial product. And secondly, um, I think there's a lot of risk on that book. I don't know how you'd underwrite it. That's that's sort of a fun thing that I was thinking about. Is like, you know, how do you figure out what is actually sustainable and what they're probably going to grow off of when you have that kind of a ramp over the last year? Um, try to pull up the numbers real quick.
0: One of the things that really stood out to me is the the average revenue per user, the ARPU, has been growing pretty significantly in the period, like in the five years or so that they post. It's sort of it's more than doubled. I don't know if that's like a cyclical thing. That's what happens as markets go up. People, you know, people trade more and they're much more speculative than they would be otherwise. Or if that's like they're just getting better at extracting money out of the. Out I of
1: think their clients. it's both. But, like, isn't it a little offensive to see a financial firm talk about monetizable daily active users and site ARPU? I know, but this isn't a fucking advertising firm. Like, I just kind of wish that people would be more more
0: honest about what it is. That's I think they are being very honest, aren't they? They, Yeah, that's they're they're being very explicit about what they're doing. Yeah,
1: they
2: are who we thought they were. That's right.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, somebody pointed out a surprising chunk of the revenue was from trading dog money. Yeah, five percent. What what have we come to? Oof. Markets are capable
1: of very, very silly behavior. It is it is an interesting time. Um, and one that is hard to argue is still inning three. What will, inning are we in? <laughs> Let's hear it. Dude, I don't know. Um, but on the other hand, dog money you know, didn't jump the shark, but dog money not enough for you. Uh, well, no, that's plenty. I, I guess what I'd just say is I'm not sure. I mean, we're, we're very, um, financial markets focused in the, in the profession, the underlying economy. I mean, I, I've done a fair amount of traveling in the past, uh, month and New York was popping. Chicago was popping and middle Tennessee was popping. So like fundamentally, things feel much better to me than I thought that they would. Um, but you know, we'll couple of Manhattans will do that for you. <laughs> no, man. I'm in Tennessee. I didn't drink at all. And, uh, well, that's kind of a lie one night I did, but, uh, it was, they were packed in like sardines. Now we can have a discussion about vaccination rates and what that leads to, but, um, it was, it was very, very, very busy. We just got yeah wow Toby again.
2: yeah we like the trifecta of demonetization.
1: <laughs> I'm looking at ARPU yeah ARPU from 2017 to, to 2020 has grown from 37 bucks a user to 109 dollars a user. That's a lot of growth.
2: That's a lot of call options.
1: But then, dude, <gasps> so this is what's tough right? for a free platform. try it. Yeah, nothing yeah, trade. It's yeah. free. <laughs> it's so fucking offensive. Anyway, <laughs> 20, 2018. 6650 per user, 2019, $65.70 per user, and then 2020 is 108. Trailing three months is 137 bucks. Yeah, that so was like, the number
0: that I saw. Yeah.
1: Wow. I don't know how you underwrite that. Like that's that's kind of um from a financial perspective, that's
0: kind of the the fun part of this all. Do they give you enough to sort of unpack how they're driving that? Is that people trading more and more or them getting more money? from what they're doing must be people trading more right the the trading is blowing up on that platform
1: i mean to be fair their assets under custody have exploded a lot and i haven't done assets per user because honestly i can only look at this for so long before i get too angry um but uh that's yeah there we are (laughs) yeah well it's true so i don't know it's it's an interesting it's an interesting s1 to read
0: let me let me let me do a little uh, segue into my bit, and then uh, we can we can chew on Jake's veggies real quick. Did you notice that the risk section in that is yellow? I didn't
1: know. What does that yeah. indicate? I think it says here's risk. Just you know, maybe tap the brakes or just pump on the gas. Either way, get through before we say stop.
2: The yellow probably like strains your eyes to read it, so you move yeah. through faster, and then don't even bother reading it.
0: Yeah. That's the trick with the old cats right. It's all caps, so it looks like it's really you got to really pay attention to this part, and then you try and read it, and you can't read it. Is that why lawyers do that? They make the
2: terms of service and all caps, so you're like, "Ah, fuck it, I'm just going to the bottom.
1: Most people don't read all caps. Because it's hard to read. Yeah, and it's easy to tell people, like, no, look at how it's capitalized. We made it stand out. Yeah, that's right. We bolded it, and we put it in italics as well. (laughs) (laughs) Toby be knowing the game. (laughs) Oh,
2: my God. Wish we would uh, treat treat each other better than this.
0: Yeah, but I mean, it's it's hard though as a lawyer. Like, you're just like, how do I get people to pay attention? To this part, I'll put it in all caps. And then you know the the sales guy looks at it and he's like, that's really hard to read. Keep it in all caps. Something yeah, like that. let's turn these brains right off. Yeah. Um, speaking of turning your brain off, let's just let's just do my little my little contribution. Uh, so GMO noted uh, value shop uh, have been crying about how expensive the market is almost as long as i have probably longer than i have about the same about the same period of time there are no, no winners here um they point out that you know we've had we had this value guys really long period of time where nothing really worked uh had this brief kind of rally i don't know when that started the reopening trade like september last year ran through to about march six months is a long time in this game that's uh it's fruit fly kind of uh, value. Uh, but then more recently since March, so for the last quarter, we've backed off quite a lot. And they say 742 basis points, which is 7.5%. That's quite a lot of uh, a long way to fall back. And they say. Um, Was that, that just waiting- flat
2: though? And the other things went back up? Is that, or do you, have, do you happen to know? Cause that kind of matters a little bit too.
0: Yeah, so I if I I think I can talk to Ark because that's one I track pretty closely. The ARKK um, that bottomed under a hundred bucks, and I think it was back. It might have got back to one hundred and thirty, and I I don't think that I don't think that value backed off much through there. I think it was just flat. So it's probably you're right. It's probably more a bounce in the growthier names than it was, and that was on the back of the growthier names getting getting, you know, they were they thirty to fifty percent yeah
1: yeah stuff like snows up i
0: think i saw 40 percent and spotify ripped
1: and uh, from the
0: from it they're from this sort of recent base yeah my beloved twitter's ripped so gmo's got this piece out um value versus growth reversals and the headline is basically the best three-year period for value versus growth which was uh february 2003 to february 2003 uh Value suffered some of its worst drawdowns through that period, and they've got this nice chart where they show like four of the worst ten occurred during that three-year period. So I guess that what the the message that they're saying is just that when the when it turns around, and there's this volatility. There's there's volatility in both directions, up and down. So you shouldn't necessarily get discouraged. But I think that the much much broader takeaway from that is in the short term, markets are just completely unpredictable, and you're going to see a lot of moves up and down that make no sense whatsoever. And it's because they don't mean anything. It's because they're just completely noise. And so ultimately, I think what, dr- ultimately, 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 and I don't know <laughs> when that ultimately comes in kingdom come, like the heat death of the universe value starts performing again. But I, I think ultimately it does sort of track along with fundamentals. And I, I feel uh, the fundamentals, I think, for value portfolios still look really good. So you're telling
2: me there's a chance. There's a
0: chance. There's a chance, baby. I read you. I think we turned around. I think we turned around at the end of uh, June. I think we've been doing a little bit better the last two weeks. I don't, I don't know. know.
2: what. I mean, do you think just for your mental health, and I'm saying- I should take what, a
0: step back. so what you're saying?
2: Well, I was going to say, your mental health, the more broader you, but also you, Tobias Carlisle. <laughs> That maybe like following every single one of these ups and downs might be just a a, a good way to to wear a
1: fella out.
0: Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, But what are you going to do if you're Toby? It's
1: like his job, right? He's got two value ETFs. So what are, what else are you going to follow? You should write a book about the invincible investor.
0: That's what you should do. That's, I mean, I think that you what I what I have noticed is they, Churchill in it. <laughs> <and> <laughs> he, he is isn't. now. Okay. <laughs> the Churchill quote would be something like, "If you're going through hell, keep going," which is a great quote, uh, and it, it, that's a good thing to bear in mind. But um, one thing that I have observed, like if you if you have a and, and there's lots of different variations of this, but if you have a strategy that you know works over a very long period of time, it's just astonishing the number of very long drawdowns that you go through in that and. Wes has got a version of it. Wes Gray Alpha Architect's got a version where he says, God runs a portfolio, so God has perfect foresight. And there are still periods of time where God's down 90% and trailing like 90% of his peers and gets fired over a three-year period. So um, it's a tough game. There's a lot of randomness in it.
1: Indeed. God should have been a trader and not an investor in that that, uh, little thing. God should have known better. Yeah, that's right. If he had uh, he, the perfect foresight. Yeah, he'd know that he's gonna get fired. I'm gonna take this up with Wes. I got I got some problems with how he framed this. <laughs> What's the problem? <laughs> God should have been a traitor in his example. I do like I actually do like uh how he framed that quite a bit. Uh I'm just being a smart ass. Ark, I didn't realize that the drawdown was like 130 to 30. That's that's
0: uh not I small. Think- the drawdown was like 156 to under 90, wasn't it? I mean to under under hundred. Yeah, I'm trying to see if I can get a, some hocus pocus Fibonacci
1: sequence on this thing real quick. Really bring the uh, you know the the value analysis to peak analysis right, here. <laughs> no. Come on. It occurs in nature, Jake.
0: You should like it. I know. The Fibonacci sequences. Yeah. Is that the golden ratio? what's fibonacci
1: no fibonacci you've never seen like fibonacci fans so like certain drawdowns here boom i just drew one yeah it was about a 50 percent drawdown (laughs) from uh from peak to trough from from the very bottom in like in april you got to get up on your technicals toby that's what you should do spend your time with technical analysis
0: i I like uh, there's so many to choose from i mean it's it's Especially when I'm, I'm using all of the different value ratios, right? So, value so ratios fit on the screen. There's, that's where you went wrong, right there.
1: Hear me out. Value ratios plus dojis and candlesticks.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know how to use them. Though.
1: That's. We got time. We'll teach you.
2: <sighs> let's get some veggies. All right. Let's let's move on. <laughs> before this devolves to
0: even worse. People, people are just switching <laughs> off intros. <droves>. Yeah. <laughs> I'm enjoying this. This is fun. I missed yeah, you guys. We, probably when we start talking Fibonacci, people are just like, oh, hang on. Yeah, <laughs> now no. it's interesting. Yeah. Bertie used technicals for his
1: entries. Yeah.
0: I mean, be a value guy through 2000 and 2007. It <laughs> yeah. doesn't matter what you use. How did, you, how matter, did you choose yeah. what to go into? I picked it, I picked the letters of the alphabet. Priced a yeah. book and the letters of the alphabet. That'd be a winning
2: strategy. All right, so uh, shout out to Otto Forrester who who DM'd me this uh, this little idea as a value, as a veggie segment. Much appreciated, sir. Uh, what we're going to be talking about is this French culinary concept called mise en place, and what it means in effectively in English is put in place or everything in its place, and. Really, it's sort of a, a mindset and a practice and a process to allow a chef to be super efficient and and even perhaps achieve a, a, a bit of a flow state while they are cooking. So let's walk through what the steps are to achieve mise en place. And step one is you read the entire recipe. OK, that's fairly straightforward. Step two, you prepare your workspace and you clean it as much as you can and uh, organize it. So, you know, where every one of your tools are step three is you prepare all of your equipment, you clean it and make sure it's all functional. Um, step four is you gather all your ingredients and you put them into like prep cups. And, uh, step five is, uh, uh, you know, you prep the ingredients such that like you chop all your vegetables, you put all of the, you know, let's say we're making an omelet, you put all your cheese into a little, like measured it out into a, into a bowl, and you ha- and then you place everything at hand where you right where you know where it is and in maybe even in the same place regularly and then the final step is really concentrating on the cooking process because you know that you have all of the little details are sorted out ahead of time before the rush of actually cooking when there's a there's a timing element to all cooking right like the the amount of energy that the food absorbs over a given time period the amount of work done on it really can have big impact on how does the the final food output look like. So the whole point is to make this process smooth, more consistent results, save time actually at the end, uh, less surprises, save space because you're you're well organized on your table. Um, And then, you know, like achieve that flow state and actually make your cooking more enjoyable. Well, shit, if that doesn't sound like what you would sort of want your investment process to look like as well, like... (laughs) I, you know, I think this is actually something kind of, kind of profound here. Um, so, you know, imagine having your, your bowl of chopped veggies at, in, you know, right where it is, since we're doing a veggie segment, um, you know, your cheese, your diced meats, your eggs already scrambled, and you have it all ready to go on the table. And then the order comes in that says, Hey, we need 10 omelets okay, well, I'm ready to bang those out right now because I have them all at hand. I know where everything is and I can really focus on the process. Whereas if I'm standing there and then the orders come in and then they, I have to go do all those little things and maybe I'm trying to like, you know, chop up the veggies and while I'm also like scrambling eggs and like it just can turn into a mess. And you can see how you're creating interconnectedness within the system. Like we've talked about, like how errors propagate. Um, <clears throat> so- you know, and if you think about it, isn't this exactly what Buffett does? He is reading all the time about different businesses, their 10Ks, industrial uh, publications. Like, how does these how does a company fit into its its competitive landscape, its ecosystem? What are its advantages? And he's got a list in his head of companies I think that he would be pretty happy to own. And he's got a pretty good idea what he would pay, where he would generate an adequate return over the time period of his ownership. And is that much different than having your bowl of eggs already pre-scrambled, your cheese ready to throw in, right? And so then when the order comes in, when someone approaches him, when Mr. Market offers him a a price for that company, this is why he can say in 15 minutes whether he's interested in buying the company and and have a deal and a handshake done in that short amount of time. It's because he's he's had a, a mise en place approach to being ready for when the opportunity shows up. Like having all that cash is not much different than a bunch of cheese sitting in a bowl ready to go. Um, So, you know, I think there's something profound there for us as investors to think about doing a lot of the work ahead of time rather than waiting and then scrambling to try to get caught up. Uh, Pardon the pun there. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I mean, is this... uh,
0: What's your desk look like, JT? You got a a tidy desk. Tidy desk, tidy mind.
2: Yeah. It's relatively tidy. I, that's uh you know, I've got a little bit of, it's not OCD, but I'm, I'm a little bit anally retentive. That's your amazing sometimes. place
0: Yeah. Your desktop of your computer, tidy as well, know where everything is.
2: Pretty much. Yeah. There's uh, there's portions of where some things go. You get on some a th- junk, some miscellaneous folders. Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: There's miscellaneous, but for the most part things have a place where they go. Do you keep a list of you know, so I, I have an idea of these are the most profitable companies in the market by just in absolute terms, like gross profitability, and then on various ratios, like gross margins and gross profitability on total assets and things like that. So I have a rough idea, like where the profit in the entire economy is going. And then it's I all ads, sort- <laughs> it's a lot of ads. Yeah. Walmart is up in there too. Mm. Um, the, Facebook, of course, is up there. I, 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 you know, and there's a, then you could just, you can run a simple cut on that. I mean, and this is, this is sort of one of the things that I struggle with. Like, where's the appropriate place to cut? Yeah. uh, Because, you know, the valuation, like, what's, what's the appropriate, what, what is too much to pay for these things? And the answer over the last decade has been there is no, there's no, there's no, (laughs) anytime you try and like put a cut in there. So that's kind of, so I, I I think that's a great approach. I 100% agree with that. And I like it a lot. Bill, what do you think?
1: I think uh, this is the reason that uh, studying quality businesses as defined as those that don't have as much operating volatility makes a lot of sense because you can actually build a model that's reliably uh, bankable. And then, like with a lot of them, I don't really expect them to trade at you know, as deep of a discount as some of the more inherently fluctuating businesses, because they are somewhat more predictable. And, you know, that's within a context of you can say, well, the world is inherently unpredictable and that's fine. But like, I think COVID pretty much showed, uh, you know, I was in airlines because they were relatively cheaper and I thought that it was a good bet. Well, that didn't, they didn't exactly protect me uh, from that particular uh, downturn now uh, something that Jeremy Raper had said to me, which I think is worth pondering. Um, shout out to Ross Gerber for your great airline take out there. Um, but you know it could have been a internet-based virus that shut down everything. there's no there's no there's nothing in the world that says it must have been a physical virus. And had it been an electrical one, all this narrative about SAS is so, um, robust, yeah. robust. maybe would have, you know, maybe we're resulting like a little bit too much on that.
2: You could make um, the argument that that if the universe was just it would have been a an electrical one and not a, based on who was hurt and who had the capacity to suffer the most, it probably would have been more fair to have uh, the you know, average you'd person.
1: You'd have more uh, human toll. Um, but. Regardless, like I kind of understand what you're saying. You mean there would
0: have been more human toll from a from an online virus? Yeah. Well, like if it, well, okay. From, yes, from a like for, okay. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh no,
0: I don't mean that.
1: I yes, I was confused. I was uh, going by the intersection of two things: a pandemic plus an electric virus, as yeah, opposed to one worse, or the yeah. other. Yeah, that would have not been good. Um, it's you're welcome. Come to best... here for the best takes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's kind of amazing, really, that. Like I just feel like it's it's a pretty fragile system, isn't Like it's kind of amazing that we haven't had it. Like, don't, don't we just like one little sun electromagnetic pulse from the sun and we're all in a little bit of trouble, aren't we? I have no idea, but I, I do think that that's a
1: reasonable thing. though. thanks to for ponder. considering it. You're welcome. <laughs> I don't fucking know. I'm just trying to figure out what I can can know, but um. Well,
2: they I, do shut down, like especially in northern latitudes that uh they will be greater impact from sunbursts like that and there are some measurements that we have of so they'll shut down power grids sometimes in preparation for that so that it doesn't fry the the electri- the uh, like electrical system like canada has some film. some protocols for that but
0: Anyway, it's not, not a so long
1: story short. I like what you're saying. I just think it's easier to be prepared when you're underwriting some of these like higher quality businesses where the underlying business doesn't fluctuate as much. But that may be resulting.
0: Yeah, if you if you had asked like what's the bigger what's the biggest threat, like, I don't mean to cut you
1: off, Toby. I know I just did, but I, what I'm thinking about right now is like you you said when SPGI and IHS were merging, you were like this is cheap. Uh, you SPGI, know maybe yeah. not absolutely cheap but you were like look at where this is trading look at where it normally trades look at what companies like this trade this is cheap and you were dead right and i think that on those kind of companies you can do stuff like that with a little bit more conviction
0: because you kind of have more confidence in where it's going the only thing about spgi and you know there's a few in their facts that um something else in there at the moment just escaped me i, I they, I think they all traded a slight discount to the market, and I don't know why. And I, I think it's possibly that everybody knows that they're going to be cyclical. If we go down the other side of a, of a crash, these things are going to pull back a little bit, and that's certainly what SPGI did in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. It does come off kind of in line with the market, but it's it's a great business. Like the returns on equity are just monstrous, and it's standard and pause. Like it's been around. The index has been around since 1850. Like it's, it's got pretty good longevity. I like it as a business. I think that the issue was that they tried to pay an absolute you know, monster price for IHS. So they paid a full price for it. I don't know if it was too much, but there was a very full price for it. And I think that a lot of people were just like, well, if they're going to spend money like that, I'm out. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair... Uh,
2: you have to probably discount intrinsic value if the cash that this amazing business is producing... Perhaps does not end up back in your pocket as the owner, uh, right? right? Like that's the important equation. So if there, if it's going to be frittered away, I'm not saying that this deal necessarily was that because I don't really know well enough to say. Neither do I. (laughs) But if that is the case, then, then yeah, I mean, the intrinsic value is pinched because of that.
0: Uh, (laughs) Mike Mitchell's in our comment section. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I mean, dude, they got. I don't know. You got. You got debt maturities that are way out there. They don't come due until 2025 and some are 2051 plus. I, I, yeah. I, I think uh you know you start to get stuff like that. You can pay a, a
0: stiff multiple
1: because I think it's like is it's not
0: that un- unencumbered for a while. And I don't think you are paying a stiff multiple for it. I think you're paying a whatever the opposite of that is <laughs> Last, a real a, a real limp one.
1: Um yeah I just you know you just some of your return probably depends on how much they can roll the debt versus pay it down. But I don't think right now rolling debt is the biggest concern on anyone's mind.
2: No one ever thinks that until
1: well oh, until in a is.
0: while. You just flip it to the Fed.
2: Yeah. It's fair.
0: I've been I've been tracking fear and greed.
1: And you want to get mad at the CCP. <laughs> I'm just playing the game that I see as the rules are. I'm not saying it's the game as it should be divined.
2: By the way, I was, I was, uh, thinking, what if, what if Charlie was, was Rudy Havenstein this whole time?
0: That'd be funny.
1: <laughs> Shout out to Rudy. Yeah. I love that guy. I'll tell you what, man, uh, in a different way, I need a burner. Uh, I, I've been <laughs> hopping on spaces and, uh, I like I'm getting called up too quick. Yesterday, I got into Matt Ball's uh, space and he called me up like immediately and I didn't know what was going on. And he and I are kind of like communicating in the back channels of of the Twitter machine. So I got on and I'm like, dude, I got nothing to say to you. Like you're a legend, whatever. And then I got off and I felt like a complete idiot. So I'm I'm going a burner. I don't even know what that means. be lurking. What is the I don't know these mechanisms that you're you got to get on spaces, man. We got to do a space. We'll bring the fans on. They can ask questions. It'll be
0: fun. it would be just like doing a YouTube live. It'll be like
1: just doing this. <laughs> but it's different. You get, you get people to talk. It's fun. I bet you guys would like it. All right. I'll try I'm it. Sure.
0: I'd like it. Uh, fear and greed. I had a look at fear and greed. over. Uh, I've just been tracking it just because I'm sort of interested tonight. Um, it's amazing how much fear is in the market at the moment.
1: Really?
2: Fear?
0: Yeah, it's where where you misspelled that's, greed. <laughs> that's yeah. the strangest thing, right? It's obviously because it's it's kind of breaking the the algorithm hmm. a little bit because we've been up so much and over the last twelve months, and we're just pulling back a tiny little bit, and so every single one of those ratios, which looks back about twelve months, says, Oh, we're in this is this is extreme greed, extreme fear." But it's like the one thing that really just does not break is the S&P 500 floating above its 200 day moving average. Like that sucker just does not go down.
2: I did see, I think, uh, I think it's TD Meritrade has a investor sentiment kind of index. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that before. Same idea. Well, they take their, they aggregate all their trade data to see just like buys versus sells. And like, where's the general sentiment? And it's, it tracks perfectly with the market, like it, you know. Yeah. s and up, sentiment's up. It's down, yeah. it's down.
1: Uh, so it's- but that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Isn't that how these things work? Sure, yeah, of course.
0: I need a leading indicator. Tell me when yeah, it's all this- going to roll over.
1: Yeah, it's. not. I don't need I don't one that's going exactly it. at the time.
0: Well, that's what, <laughs> kind of why I like fear and greed because it's a little bit. Um, it's it's a it's a it's a contra, right? When there's extreme greed in the market, you're probably going to get a better chance, another bite of the cherry. And when there's extreme fear in the market, it might be a good time to go shopping, but it does break down. And I I noticed it in, if you go back to 2013 and you look at it in 2013, I think you got to use the Wayback machine to do it. But 2013 was one of those years where the market was just up 30% over the course of the year. And it did it at a 45 degree angle. It just went straight up, but there was still a time to buy like in the middle of the year where it just, it wobbled like briefly and by the definition of this little metric, that was like extreme fear for the year. So it wasn't the best time to buy in the year, but it was wasn't a bad time to buy either. It just kept on rocketing up. Maybe we're just in one of those one of those times right now.
2: Area value man says buy the
0: dips. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got another metric too. I like it. just as we were talking before. You know my my list of the the best stuff in the market where I've got like the cutoff, and I, this is the thing I struggle with. I, What's an appropriate amount of money to pay for those? Because there's the, basically, the, the more you're prepared to pay, the better you've done for a very long period of time here. And so whatever sensible kind of margin of safety you think you're, you're using, you're probably making a mistake with that. And I don't know if that's just the way it's going to be for forever and ever. Or Disciplined just buyer? Like
2: a, uh, I see where you went wrong.
0: That, that's That's your mistake. Like, you should have paid up for it. It's worth paying up for these good stocks. Like, of course, in retrospect, that's the case. But I... I, I've just noticed that there are a very large number, of, there are an unusually large number of these companies available at a pretty good price on just about like whatever, if you put a cutoff at any given level, like say one times the 10-year, three times the 10-year, whatever you're, so the yield on the 10-year being equivalent to some sort of free cash flow yield on the company that you're buying if you're thinking about it in those terms. I don't know where the appropriate point is to draw that line, but in either, in either case, you can kind of look back over the last 20 years and see when there are more companies available, you tend to do better. When there are more companies available above one of those thresholds, you do better. When there are fewer companies available at one of those thresholds, you do worse. Probably as you'd expect, that indicates that the market's more or less expensive than it would otherwise be. We're currently at a point where it's saying we're, we're in like the 10 or 15% best opportunities to buy. Really? Dang. Which makes ah. no sense to me. That's the that's the thing that's breaking my head the most at the moment. I don't really. There's uh. a lot of value out there, man.
1: I mean, I'm gonna say something that's under researched and do not fucking listen <laughs> to me. But if you want to do the work and write me, I would greatly appreciate it. Like CVS looks pretty interesting. I was checking that out today. Uh, I read a pitch on United Healthcare that I thought was very good um like IAC I that that's like tough for me to really get behind Angie's because I think there's like an adverse selection problem there but I just think that like fundamentally the really good trades people operate on word of mouth and like I so when I was in flooring Angie's list was like the gold standard of leads okay you would get an Angie's list lead and you could walk in and it would be a non-competitive bid. It would be a nice customer. They already pre-qualified you. And like you could just say it wasn't competitive. The other business was Service Master, which was like a lead gen biz, which you would get three leads immediately. You'd have to get on the phone. I'd be calling people at like fucking midnight trying to book, uh, you know, because you get charged 50 bucks a lead. So when it, I'd be sleeping and it would ding my phone and I'd wake up and call because I'd know that they were thinking about the product at the time. So someone
0: had literally entered it into the system and it Jesus. had sent you the lead at midnight. Oh yeah, dude. I was a rabid dog with leads because that's <laughs> that stuff costs money. Um,
1: but then your close rates are like really shitty and the customers are on average were like super cost centric. And uh, my perception of what the business has moved to is much closer to my negative perception of the lead gen service than it is... Um, what Angie's list used to be. On the other hand, you know, if they actually can automate like what a kitchen remodel should cost, and they actually can quote you the material cost pretty well, and you can get a fixed product with some sort of execution certainty, like that is a really, really hard problem to solve. If they could get five to 10% of the market, like. That's going to be worth a lot of money, if nothing else, just from the certainty, because it's going to be a very, very hard marketplace to displace. Very hard. I just don't know that I think they can get there.
0: If you need a handyman or anything like that, it's always, they just come and go because that's the the nature of the business. So if you you have a relationship with something like one of those places, that's, of course, you're just going to keep on going back to that. It should be a pretty good business run.
1: Yeah, I think so. The question is, are the good handymen coming there to fill their day? And, you know, maybe a handyman can, but with a plumber, like, I don't know. Good plumbers are like gold. You don't just like hand them off. Painters too. I don't don't know. I just, that's the hard part for me on that particular idea. So getting the good
0: guys into the marketplace is the difficult thing. That's right.
1: But if they can do it, it's going to be worth a shit ton.
0: I mean, it's very hard to know whether anybody's any good at anything, right? When you're just desperate to find somebody. So maybe that does solve that problem. if They get some sort of rating system in there. I don't know. I haven't used it. Yeah. Well, that's how it used to be. So back in
1: the day, like you'd have members and they'd give you r- reviews and the reviews were gold. Like they weren't gamed at all. And that's why is it, you could is it walk in. Now? I think it's closer Probably.
0: to games. Yeah. Sorry about
1: want- IAC so I'm not trying to like take shots at you.
0: You want to take some questions from the from the crowd. I saw one um, from Samson: Is the 52-week lows list a good place to go shopping? It's typically not probabilistically because it's um, things with low uh, momentum, definitionally the lowest momentum in the market. If that's one of the things that you care about, you, you kind of you're batting against the uh, against that average, which you know momentum has like a 12-month, 15-month kind of like follow on period. So 52 week lows would be like, there's probably three months of pain in buying off the 52 week lows list. You might be better off buying off. If you, if you can find something cheap on the 52 week highs list, that might be a better place, but then you can probably safely ignore momentum in there too. If you, if you thinking about holding for a long period of time and you're looking at the, um, the fundamentals but I wouldn't necessarily shop on the 52-week lows list either, it's just stuff that's down a lot over the last 52 weeks. It's not necessarily cheap.
2: I think the yeah. game's a little more complex than than that. I mean, I'd look everywhere. It's...
0: but you've got a finite number of places in your mise en place, right? You've got a fixed amount of room. Like what are you what are you using to drive? Do you want Sorry, stuff that's cheap or do you want French. stuff <laughs> <laughs> do you want stuff that's down? A lot over the last year, or do you want stuff that's cheap because they're not the same thing, right? Yeah,
1: they're arguably they should be, but that doesn't mean they are, right? Well, Gainer so- has said in the past that he started off on the 52-week low list, and now he likes to start on the 52-week high list. I think that's not the craziest thing. But I, I don't think you should don't. Do either.
0: Like, I don't think you should worry about it at all.
1: Yeah, I think it depends on your
0: strategy, right? I think highs Tom's better than to- lows. Yeah, highs better than lows, but highs not any more helpful necessarily if you're a value guy you should be looking at the cheapest stuff looking at the stuff that you think is the best well uh
1: as someone who hasn't had a direct conversation with tom in a very long time and the only one that i had was in a room full of people uh i will say that i think uh the reason that he likes the 52 week high list is it enables clues to study businesses that are starting to fire on all cylinders or are firing on all cylinders And given the strategy I think he runs, that will help him wait for the right time to buy. Because
0: he's looking for companies to study, not things to buy today. Yeah, fair enough. But it's also like, that's what does the rest of the market think about what this thing is doing? Yeah. If you're a good enough investor, you go in and have a look at the fundamentals yourself and see what's this thing done over a series of 10 Qs and Ks.
1: Well, it's all just like where to start, right? It's not... Looking at a list is not due diligence. I think we can all agree on that. That's
0: a right? start, but that's that's kind of my point. Like, just why would you start on that list? You start on something that makes more sense for your own investment strategy. Yeah, yeah. Why not, why not, you could start with the A's. Like that would be just as just as uh, helpful as starting on the fifty-two week highs list, wouldn't it? I suppose. Um, Any good oil, oil ideas? No. Why would you come to here for that? We've we've demonstrated no confidence on that. I don't think anybody's got any confidence in that. What about what about the the uh, the pipelines?
1: I don't know. I I, I have you no not, ideas not taking- worth sharing.
2: I think it will. <clears throat> I think it will take black to get to green. Huh?
0: You need you need energy up before it starts working.
2: No, or I up. mean as a species to get to all this green energy, I think we're going to, it will require black petrochemical energy to get us there.
1: Yeah.
0: Concur. Do do you guys know anything about NASPA's process? I I have a podcast on it with uh, Adrian Saville, who's a South African uh, value investor, who's quite uh, knowledgeable about it and has, has a good discussion of it. If you want to see that, I don't know that we necessarily have anything. I do hit up at Panda Value on the Twitter machine. He is the OG of hold
1: loves them. If you know of good hold codes, talk to him. Talk to him about them. He will be the who you need to talk to.
2: Mm. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah,
0: he loves hold codes, and he's pretty sharp. I've got a question here: I trade to profit from potential hackers' attack against grid-like companies? So, you guys remember the ETF um, hack? Got its, got its start when the Sony hack that hmm. was um, it, you know it blew up to like an $800 million uh, ETF when uh, Sony got hacked and I think that the assets are pretty sticky and then it's had this like sordid history where it would, it kind of got stolen by uh, some of the guys running it and got, eventually that
1: the it guy who, hacked
0: it did yeah in a That's sort funny. of in a manner of speaking I don't know man I don't know about that sort of stuff like there's no you, you could just if 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 stuff gets hacked, like if it's important enough and the whole market goes down, then you, you just get get long the VIX or get short the market. Whether you're going to play specifically, like you could go and play and hack. But I look at the contents of those things. Like it's like the contents of any of these thematic ETFs. There's always stuff like like why is Caterpillar in in, in Arc Space ETF? I got no idea. They, they've Era got satellites forming. or something. I don't
2: know. Are you going to need cat? you know, if you're going to terraform Mars, you're going to need some heavy equipment.
1: True. Good point. I don't know. And sound math checks out.
2: Yeah. That's just math. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, I'd say on hack, the only strong opinion that I have is cybersecurity doesn't matter how effective it is. It just matters whether or not they can sell the market on believing that it's useful.
0: Yeah.
1: Apparently you can't hardly get cyber insurance for any reasonable
2: price. I've, I've read, I don't know if that's true or not, but,
1: it's because my buddy in cybersecurity tells me that it doesn't do anything except for his phishing business, which you could argue he's got some motivated reasoning there. But uh, I mean, he's like, look at look at the results of all these cybersecurity firms. They don't stop anything. And do you think trigger. that
2: this will be a <laughs> trigger? Do you think this will be a. Um, a potential listed reason for why their government would crack down on cryptocurrencies like we can't have this these outlets for you know, hostage, basically, situations, cyber hostage. Yeah, could,
0: what, what could they do to crack down on it?
2: I don't know. Just try to police more of the on and off ramps, I guess. Because that the, was it
0: a hack of the Texas grid? Is that what happened? Or The, the, the recent one where they, they, it was a quite a big ransom payment and then they were able to track the wallet and they got half of the money and the guys who did it.
1: Oh, was that the East Coast pipeline?
0: Was it East Coast? Yeah,
1: yeah, that was recently. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that that's what happened. I've been on vacation. <laughs> You've been hacking I, your liver.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's over now. But it was fun. When one of the satellites was going to fall out of space, when I was a kid, when I was in middle school, I think one of the guys at middle school sold a. Uh, insurance that he would pay. I can't remember the amount of money. It might've been a thousand dollars, which was just like an astronomically large amount of money at that time. If you got hit by the satellite when it came out of space, but in addition, you had to be wearing this like paper hat that he made on your head. What? Hey, which, I have so respect. This guy's for a him. genius. It, isn't that, yeah. isn't that kind of brilliant? So people, people were marketing his that, little insurance uh, venture.
2: Is that lemonade's business model? No, I'm just kidding. Ooh
0: so that's, uh, that's i mean uh, i just will kidding. sell i will sell uh cyber security insurance but you got to be wearing the paper hat when it tinfoil, happens tinfoil hat tinfoil hat now, yeah. yes uh, yeah i'll ship the tinfoil hat <laughs> on that note folks that's it it's been fun <laughs> it's a good one to end on We're,
2: yeah we ground to a halt just end it now <laughs> mercifully
1: yes
0: exactly <laughs> thanks folks we'll be back uh
1: Shake it up, stop when the clock hits 13. Sing 1, 2, 3, 4. Cut, cut, cut.